We're here with Ricky Simmons, the voice of Gurr from Invader Zim. Hello, how you doing? You're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Woo! They steal from you and leave you in an alley, and then you wake up a few days later and you're covered in bees. But it's all good. We will begin a mass invasion. We will tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It will make a duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. Can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is Talkcast 195. We're creeping far closer to that 200 mark. And it's Migrant Milky Way Migraines for Everyone Night here on the Lunar Module, deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 21 next to the Hump the Wonder Bunny Memorial, diagonal to Scarbucks, tattoo removal our specialty. I am the Dome. Joining the Talkcast tonight are some of the usual suspects. In the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, vice president of technicalness, the sometimes level-headed, oft-times outspoken, and occasionally awesome, Kriana. The vice president? Excuse you? No, no, excuse me. Not a problem. Mm. From the four-color vault of comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely ginger ingenue, the woman who will be best remembered for the role as the female lead in Marvel's new movie, I Was a Zombie Astronaut, Brenda Starr Will Never Be the Same, A Blinding Light in the Autobahn of the Future, It's the Dead Redhead. I don't mind being Brenda Starr as long as I don't have to be Brooke Shields. Nobody has to be Brooke Shields. <laughs> Not even her. But you do have to shield Brooks. Oh. Gary Brooks? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Okie dokie. Too many <laughs> arcane references happening all at once. <laughs> Our guest this afternoon is the return of Michael J. Sullivan. Is it afternoon? Is it evening? You know what? It's a podcast. It doesn't matter when it is. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hi. I didn't know I was being introduced so early. I thought I was coming in a little later. Well, you can come in now. You can come in later. My guess is we'll introduce you now. You can go get a cup of soup or, or whatever beverage you prefer. And at the six at the at the six thirty. Wow. Holy What crap. time zone are you in? I am in the I'm right now I'm in Tierra del Fuego watching the penguin races. But, Mountain uh, time? Oh, <laughs> I I have no idea where 6.30 came from. At the halfway mark, Michael would be joining us again to talk about books two and three of the Rearia series. Oh, that was so wrong. Uh, yeah, you totally did that wrong. Yeah, yeah, you do it. Nope. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I've already done it wrong once tonight. <laughs> I'm going to do this once for you and pay attention. Rye, as in the bread... Ear as in the body part, and ah as in ah. That's how you say Rayura. Rayura. Wonderful. Potato. So, oh. so now, Dead Redhead, you are designated title pronouncer. <laughs> I have to write that down, Rayura. <laughs> I don't screw it up myself. <laughs> so, Michael will catch you at the halfway point. 
Uh, you you show amazing fortitude for coming back to the show a second time. We're very proud of that. <laughs> In any case, uh, it's been an interesting week all around. Lord knows I've gotten very little sleep this week, which is why we're into arcane references for some apparent reason. Where do we want to start tonight? You you asked that five minutes ago. Do you not remember what we decided? <laughs> we didn't actually decide. I guess we did. Did are we, we doing Ray Bradbury or are we doing... Oh my god, are you both senile? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Okay. I'll answer it that time. So okay. Now, where are we starting? Well, we're starting by getting out the banner. The banner? The, the banner. The trusty intervention banner. Okay. Oh, for Siffy. Yes, Siffy. <sighs> we're gathered because... here today because we care <laughs> about you. Well, we kind of do. Actually, you're bringing in such great shows in the next couple of months. The Almighty Johnsons, which I'm frankly really amazed is kind of really cool. And, okay, and well, we'll get there because I'm bring, totally obsessed with it. Like, bringing, you, but but you why are we doing Ghost Lost Shark? Girl, but why are we doing another shark dumb movie? Ghost Shark, of all things. So Ghost is it a haunted shark. ghost? Shark? Is it a haunted shark house? Yeah, I mean, what's the no, premise? The, the ad showed a see-through shark, which, like, <laughs> you know, like if you were seeing a ghost on a bad, oh crap, you know, comedy movie, like a see-through white kind of shark figure, and people were having blood spurt everywhere. I think it's just a reason for Siffy to have blood spurt everywhere, and have shark in the title so that they can have, you know, get they can claw onto Shark Week a little longer. That's what I think. And if you're female, you know Shark Week means something entirely different. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. men, Shark Week comes but once a year. Uh-huh. Uh, we actually went there, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Sure. Let them figure it out. They've uh-huh. got people. Mm-hmm. So... So, but anyway, yeah, Siffy, what's Siffy, your issue? Cut the crap. Seriously. You have the chance to do some really good stuff. And, you're and, and yet you're doing stuff. shark ghost and heroes of cosplay. Seriously? Well, wait, a wait a minute, heroes of cosplay? I'm yeah. okay with that. No, nobody <laughs> nobody likes oh, that. I don't know why you're okay with it too, Dom. Well, yeah, we and the creepy jar gets some use. <laughs> Thank you so much, creepy jar. It's... We need a creepy, creepy jar sound effect. Well, pick one. Kriana, that is your that is your job for next week to find us a creepy jar sound effect. I feel like it needs to be like a wah, wah. Maybe. Maybe. I'm writing this down. Creepy jar sound Maybe, maybe Cam will come up with an idea for yeah, us. Yeah, Cam, get on that. <laughs> or or we can have that I'll buy that for a dollar, you know. <laughs> or, or like a wolf whistle. There we Shut go. up and give me your one. money. Shut up and take my money. There we go. I like that. Creepy jar. We can do that. We can definitely do that. So yeah, Siffy, you need to stop doing that. And speaking of dumb stuff. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Because uh, can we go back to the Almighty Johnsons? Oh sure. Oh, I, I'm very happy. To have you been that. watching it? I have. Uh, Dome and I have been getting the Almighty Johnsons from an undisclosed location. That's totes leagues. We'll have to tell you and then shoot you, but that's okay. 
And and I've got to tell you, um, there is some great science fiction being made, being done outside the United States. Surprised? Thank no, you. we're we're not ethnocentric, are we? Yeah, I think we are. Wait, wait, wait. You know what? It, you know what it proves, though, is that to have an amusing science fiction series, you do not need to have a huge special effects budget because they do it on basically none. And nor nor do you need. Uh, an effing sound tr- uh, laugh track. Oh wow, yeah, a laugh track would be really bad. Oh you my! Need a, a laugh track for any science fiction. Well, you know, actually, I, mean, I think laugh tracks should just be banned in general. And I I'm kind of agree that, because this We're show is that. so funny. It is absolutely hilarious. It is well written. Sometimes it is very well acted. Sometimes it is incredibly badly acted. And sometimes but- that's better. And sometimes it really works that it's badly acted. It's It's been really interesting. Um, and I, I love the idea of the grandfather. And that's it all I'm saying. Guys, because some of us still haven't caught up with... So it's about, it's about like, when sometime, when, when people started emigrating to New Zealand when it was discovered, I guess... Yes. Um, by Europeans, because obviously there were people who lived there before that. Right. Um, and sheep, I guess. Um, <laughs> maybe. Don't did, make sheep jokes! Or did the sheep come with the Europeans? That's all. Don't make sheep jokes. Um, the, the Norse gods moved to New Zealand because they didn't like Norway anymore. Who could blame that? <laughs> okay. New Zealand seems a lot nicer, honestly. I kind of agree based on what we see in there. Yeah. But um so so that these gods move to New Zealand and they are just like people. They they live as people. And over time they've lost the majority of their power. Right. So 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 now they've become, you know, god spirits who inhabit people on their 21st birthday. And during the first episode, spoiler alert, as if you couldn't guess that this might be coming in the first 20 seconds, um, it's it's the youngest of four brothers. His name is Axel. Great name, by the way. <laughs> Great. So the brothers and are... A terrific actor, too, by the way. Yeah, he, he's pretty awesome. And it's his 21st birthday, and he is inhabited by the spirit of Odin. And his brothers... Let's see, the oldest one is Mike, and he's inhabited by the spirit of... Ul, who's the god of games, and then it's it's the next one is Ty, who's Hod, Hod, the god of cold things, cold cold things, (laughs) and and this guy is an ice sculptor, and it's hilarious. He's an ice sculptor, and he works for a heating, uh, works for refrigeration company. He owns it. Oh, nice. So yeah, I mean, and, you know, and the third brother Anders is is the guy who played dick. the the dwarf, and and actually I caught them a couple times because he is actually the shortest one of all of them. They refer to him as a dwarf a couple times, and I was thinking, I'm like, they were shooting the Hobbit when this was being filmed because if you get to the second season, he he sort of goes away for a while and you and you only and i'm like oh they were shooting the hobbit (laughs) but but then they make this joke about him being called a dwarf and i was like well that was really funny because no no one like going back to watch this is gonna get that only right Right. now is that amusing um and he is uh bragi the god of poetry 
Well, poetry, enchantment, uh, he can basically talk a woman into doing anything. Can talk a man or a woman into doing anything. Well, that But is he prefers to talk women into doing things, if you know no, what no. I mean, winkety-wink. No, no, because in episode three, he talks both a man and a woman into doing well, what Well, okay, yes, but doing what he wants, wink-wink, wink, creepy yes. jar. Creepy jar time once yeah. again. And it's it's... It's so much fun. It really is. This is going to be an absolute treat for American audiences if they can get over the New Zealand accent. I think the New Zealand accent is adorable. It's adorable, but sometimes it's very difficult to understand what's being said. I don't get that. I don't get that. It's from Australian, is it? No, it's um, very close to Australian. They have a lot of the same slang as Australia as well. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, all, all in all, it's maybe a nine out of a ten, maybe a nine and a half. And holy crap, what a good find that is for Siffy to do at the same time that they're doing freaking Ghost Shark and wrestling and Heroes of Cosplay. Leave here. Irredeemable. Of- <laughs> uh, but it's a fantastic show. Lots of sex. Very cute women. Uh- what and more you know, can you ask? If they do the same thing that they did with Lost Girl, they did very minimal, and I mean incredibly minimal editing on Lost Girl. They edited and it? They did do a little bit, but it was it's barely perceptible. And if they do the same thing with this, it's going to be another runaway hit for them. It really is. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. It's a fairly awesome series. I, I've i been watching it basically nonstop. It's interrupted my medium binge. <laughs> I've been binging on medium. Really? I'm going to start it on regular TV here. Oh, really? No, when are they going to start it here? Oh, oh the hey. Almighty Johnsons? I don't know. We said last week. Sometime oh, next year. Yeah. Sometime oh. early next year. So if you can procure it from another source that's entirely legal, totally do it. Totally do so it. Oh, worth it. It's Absolutely. really entertaining. Once in a while, a show comes along that is this entertaining. Yeah, it's rare. It's absolutely rare. <laughs> and the third season is going on right now in New Zealand, winkety wink. wink is wink, it like wink. Misfits? I don't like uh, Misfits at all. Oh, I love that show. It's actually... Uh, it's it's a whole different way of going about it. Whole different way of going about it. Okay. Uh, oh, Misfits. Quite good. Quite good. Oh my God, where do we go from here? Anyway, <laughs> you know, I could sit here and 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 laugh at uh, the stupidest Doctor Who article you'll ever read, but I think I want to pass on that right now. And, and why'd you bring it up? Well, because we just did some stupid stuff. Um. Okay. I got a couple things if you guys want. Oh, okay, fine. Go for it. We've got updates from the Granite State Comic Con for Mm -hmm. our friends, who, of course, we are one of the sponsors for Granite State Comic Con. And they've got some really cool people coming. And what I was, I actually had somebody run up here and tell me, that I absolutely had to mention, so you can guess who ran up here and told me this, that they are actually going to... It was Barnabas, wasn't it? It was Barnabas! Barnabas! Sorry. Barnabas the Undead Kitty. 
Um, they are bringing some of the classic 80s video game machines down from Fun Spot at oh, nice. Weirs Beach in um, Weirs, New Hampshire, and they're going to let people play them. And X was literally bopping up and down like a four-year-old over here. Um, no, was he? Hard to believe. He He's going to be able to play ColecoVision again? Is this what we're hearing? Yeah, and a regular Pac-Man and Ms. Pac-Man. You know how that goes. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the, the cool things that if you're going to be coming, bring your quarters, folks. So you're going to be able to to play some games there. But you, too, the could side, be a pinball wizard. You, too, could be a pinball wizard. There we go. We also have some voice folks coming to Grand Estate Comic Con. We have somebody... Named by the name of Gray Delisle, and she's been on Fairly Odd Parents. She was in Avatar. Um, she was in the Clone Wars. Um, she was in uh, Billy and Mandy. Um, Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. She was in a ton of stuff. I have not heard of many of these things. You didn't stop at, see um, Foster's Home? That was really cool. No. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, Very cute, cute series. And then Quentin Flynn who has been on the new Johnny Quest. He's been on the new Speed Racer. He played the Human Torch on a couple things. He's done Elmer Fudd before. He's been on Robot Chicken. Um, he's also been on uh, Billy and Mandy. Mindy Cohen, for some people might remember. Facts of Life, <laughs> On different strokes. Oh. I'm still not quite sure why she's... Hey. Um, other than she was Velma on the new Scooby-Doo animated series that they're doing. But she will be here. That uh, was Rob such a high-quality series. Yes. <laughs> so high-quality. It was not mine. In five uh, frames a second animation, it was amazing. Synonymous <laughs> with quality. Rob Paulson is going to be there, and he's also... X. Huh? Animaniacs. Animaniacs. And, like, his resume just goes on and on and on and on and on about some of the things he's done. I, a lot of voice actors. Not to mention the gentleman who started us off tonight from... Uh, Invader Sim. Ricky Simmons, you mean? Yes. No, the other one, Jim Cummings. Okay, well, Ricky Simmons is the one who started us off tonight. Then Ricky is not going to be there, so I misspoke on that. So, one. in other fast breaking news, uh oh, I have just been informed the most wonderful thing I have ever heard in my life General Mills is bringing back Booberry, Also Count Chocula. Also Franken... I haven't had Frankenberry since I don't even know. Third grade. Do you know that the, they were actually a winner at our Halloween party last year? Somebody came as the serial killers. And They're... they dressed as the different serials. I love these things. So, so specifically, it's bringing back Fruit Brute and Yummy Mummy, and they have know. they have but, never they have not been seen since like 1983. Oh my God, that's dinosaur years. 
I know. <laughs> so Fruit Brute was like Fruit Loops, but with fake lime-flavored marshmallows. Ooh. And then that got replaced by Yummy Mummy, which was the exact same thing, but with vanilla-flavored marshmallows. And that one got discontinued in 93. And since 2010, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry only get sold during Halloween and only in certain stores. But this year, you get all of them at the same time. For the first time ever! And for how long? Probably only during Halloween. Ah. And, and Target will even have retro packaging. Another reason why Halloween should be everybody's favorite holiday. I know, right? These are like the cereals that I dreamed about when I was when I was like ten, and I and I was like, when I'm a grown ass adult, I'm gonna eat cereal for every meal because I want it, and I'm gonna get Count Chocula all the time. And except they got rid of it. I know. I was so incensed, but now, thanks to Target. I can buy all five of these fine cereals and binge on them to my heart's content. Does that mean you will be desensed? <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> I will. I will be on a sugary binge. That's for oh sure. Boy. Oh boy! Good, which will make you ever so much more normal than you are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we also, um, there's a really cool thing that I thought people might be interested in uh, that some of our other folks who who are fans of our page told us about the Save the Drive-Ins project, that actually Honda is giving money to be able to get upgrading to digital production, uh, digital projection Thanks. for a lot of the drive-ins because it Cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $80,000, which is an awful lot of, you know, bringing in cars with six and seven people in it. Um, but they're picking a bunch of drive-ins, and they're going to give them. Just all right, all right. I have to make a confession here. What is the allure of a freaking drive-in? Oh, I love it. Until you've gone to one. I've been to one. I didn't like it. I couldn't see, couldn't hear anything. There were lots of mosquitoes. The popcorn was extra bad. Then you went to the wrong place. Yeah, you really did. You really did. There's a there's one great one here in New Hampshire. There is. Coming from Pittsburgh, when I was in college, we would go to a different drive-in every weekend. We saw a couple of them actually closed, and they would have these gigantic drive-in fests where they'd have four really, really bad horror movies, and people just brought their cases of beer, and it was... Is it, it, was is it legal to have that in your car, though? No? Again. <laughs> this is the the allure of the drive-in. <laughs> I guess when you're under twenty-one and you just cover everything up in the back seat and nobody's really looking. Yeah, no. Or well, you have seven or eight people in the trunk. In the trunk, <laughs> and you have a car big enough that has a trunk that seven people can be in. I yes, yes, yes. Okay. And they were very cool. I remember when I was a kid, there was a drive-in. They had a horror thing where they actually called the food, like, 
they had lady fingers and all kinds of Halloween-themed food that they had. And if you came in costume, you got to get in for free. And they just made it this whole big family thing. Hmm. So go save the drive-ins, guys. Mm. All you have to do is vote. They're not okay. even asking you to give money, so. I want, I want to set the Wayback Machine to 1939. Woo! Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to go way back. That's older than me, though. Whoa. In the summer of 1939, a young writer started to distribute his own self-published independent magazine. This young independent writer's name was Ray Bradbury. Uh, Ray Bradbury produced four of these magazines uh, between the summer of 1939 and fall of 1940. In the very first edition, he wrote, I hope you like this brainchild spawned from the womb of a year-long inanimation. Appoint yourself as an A1 mourner and critic and pound away at this. It'll be appreciated. If you have a dime in your pocket that hasn't had a breath of air in a few days, you can drop that in, too. <laughs> this, is the, this is the first issue of FUFA. If it succeeds, there will be more, better issues coming up, and your cooperation is needed. He was, in fact, correct, because there were actually four issues of this produced between the summer of 1939 and the fall of 1940, and then they disappeared. I'm thanks guessing they've reemerged. They've reemerged thanks to Project Gutenberg, which we've talked about numerous times, and I've written a number of articles about <clears throat> on the website. And Project Gutenberg is essentially finding and restoring all this great fiction from the 30s and the 40s. And all four of these zines are now available for download. And they're the coolest damn things ever, and <clears throat> they're free. Neato. Because Project Gutenberg is a free project. Everything that is there, and especially their science fiction collection, which is out of this world, is there for free. Check it out. I'll put the link on the website. It's well worth it. Just if you were ever a Bradbury fan for anything that he ever wrote, this is something you really have to check out. Uh, well, that young lady who did the song is going to read them. What now? No, no, that young lady is not going to read any of the books. At least not online. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant if she will, you know, on her own time. Just oh, <laughs> I, I thought you meant she was going to sexily read them to me. Yeah, Rachel Bloom? <laughs> you know, I bet if we invited her, she would. I bet she would. I bet, I bet if would. you asked her, she would. Michael, Assignment. <laughs> Michael, if you're listening and we know that you are, your assignment, should you choose to accept it, is to get Rachel Bloom to read this old e-zines of Ray Bradbury's in as sexy a voice as possible. And you know it's very possible. Yeah, it probably is. Uh, for those of you who really, really enjoyed Firefly the movie and Firefly the TV series, it's back. Huh? But it's not back the way you all expected. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. No, no one was taken in by that. Well, no, I. I no I, one I, was taken in by no, that. Was cheap. That was okay. cheap, and you should be ashamed like a cheap hooker. And I'm not. <laughs> you should be. 
if anybody could have taken Firefly and turned it into a board game, I would have been shocked and surprised and probably annoyed and probably would have bought it anyway. <laughs> <clears throat> However, uh, Firefly the game is actually pretty freaking cool. The subtitle is Find a Crew, Find a Job, and Keep Flying. It's uh, a really, really interesting board game. Uh, it was introduced at this year's Gen Con last weekend. Who designed uh, it? Who wrote it? Uh, I'm going to have all the information on it on the website. Uh, there's actually a lot of it still not available. There were only 250 copies available at Gen Con. They sold it in like 10 minutes. And the retail price was $60. Oh, It took that long? Yeah, I'm kind of amazed. Uh, Amazon is now listing it for 46 but you can't get it yet. Um, so yeah, I'm going to put the link... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to put the link to this article as well as the Amazon link on the website for those of you who want to show it out. And I already have put in my pre-order for it. Hell yeah. It looks really freaking cool. So, Kriana, you and I are going to have to play it. I'm going to kick your ass. Probably. You usually do it stuff like this. Totes. <laughs> you know, we used to talk a lot about uh, Michael Dorn's uh, wanting to do a movie on Kickstarter and wanting to bring back Star Trek to television. And then all of a sudden it kind of went away when that the Kickstarter project uh, that he was trying to do with a number of Star Trek actors didn't make it. Which really uh, blows, because I wanted my Friends of Worf t-shirt, god I know, damn it. Y'all kind of wanted one of those, because they were kind of cool. But I actually pledged enough to get one, and sadness. Well, the the rumor was, and the rumor was verified by no less than Norman Spinrad, that J.J. Abrams, <laughs> Abrams had blocked every attempt to put uh, a Star Trek series back on the small Just screen. Just one more reason why J.J. Abrams is a dick. And, and never, never, be on never this show. ever be on this show. Good, because if he was, I would call him a dick to his face. Yeah, you- there we go. If I ever meet him, I'll be like, hello, sir, are you J.J. Abrams? And upon confirmation, I would say, you, sir, are a dick. I'm a dick. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? I just had that feeling more than anything else. See, people think this is all talk, but, uh, Dome, I think I think you can stand up for me here and say, I would actually do that. Yeah, yeah, you, you've done weirder stuff in the past, and I'm not <laughs> um, Last year, there was interest with CBS and Michael Dorn about bringing back a show that uh, would have Worf sitting in the captain's chair. And Okay, is it, anyone sexier than Worf? Well, there was this whole... What? <laughs> yeah, she said that. <laughs> she said that. Like, seriously, who is sexier than Worf? Uh, and and it would work, it would absolutely work. So anyhow, they are talking about uh, CBS is now in discussion with Dorn about bringing back a series uh, to CBS with Dorn in the captain's chair. So they took the hint. Um, <clears throat> Funnily enough, that was not the show I thought you were going to talk about. Really? What did you think it was going to be? I thought you were going to talk about his new Kickstarter. 
Well, there's that too, and and we'd like to get him on and have him talk about that, which would be damn cool. Well, we have Mike, we have some we ha- well we have someone on to talk about that, as you will find out during the coming up calendar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, so there's oh, something- oh, oh, what? Hello. What? Hello. Hello. <laughs> what, what is wrong with you? I have no idea why you did any of that. <laughs> because I was reading the stupidest Doctor Who article I've ever seen in my uh, life. How did I know we were going to end up there sooner or later? Because what? it's the stupidest... Okay, so, Dom, what is my number one rule of journalism? The number one rule in journalism for Kriana and for all of us is, if you read the title of an article and the title is a question... And you can answer the question with the word no. It's a dumb article. article should write that's something. Right. Now, now on a scale of one to stupid, how, how's this title? Could Peter Capaldi really be the final face of Doctor Who? That would be a dead sexy stupid. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just, it's just vindicated by the first sentence of the article, which is, of course not. Why do you keep writing? <laughs> you didn't say anything for the next four paragraphs. Um, they wrote basically to hear themselves talk. And, uh, Are they from Harvard? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Good Lord. Um, I have no idea why stuff like that keeps happening. And this comes from a website that half the time I really love their articles and the other half the time I really cringe reading their articles you'll be able to see the link and know the website I'm talking about also they basically say that the um what's his face hurt um is is going to be like 13 that makes 13 oh, John yeah john hurt. john hurt but illustrator x when this happened was like no I know who he is, and he doesn't count as a regeneration, right? Correct. Right. We had that argument because he is—he's a split off of the doctor's ego, if you will. Right. So, like, this person doesn't even know that. Didn't even bother to look for that. Like, didn't even think about that. Like, that's because they're not looking at old Doctor Who. They well, think that you know what? Then maybe happened. you shouldn't be writing this article. About, about, like, Doctor Who in the 1970s. Maybe you shouldn't write this article. I agree. Maybe you should be writing an article about Ghost Shark. That might be an appropriate article for this person. Yeah. Who I shall agree. remain nameless, Charlie, nameless. Charlie Jane Anders. No, don't do that. <laughs> yes, oh, Charlie Jane Anders, your article sucks, and you should feel bad about it. But if you're willing to come on the show and defend it, I will forgive you a little bit. This is a challenge. I'm throwing this challenge to the universe. Well, we've blathered on for quite a while here. We have. And, and normally at this point, we would talk about our internet uh, Facebook poll. Except at Facebook. Our, our internet Facebook? Our, our, <laughs> our, 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 What's our internet Facebook? I, I was momentarily distracted. Oh, look, shiny thing. Anyway. Oh, look, Peter Capaldi, <laughs> dead sexy. <laughs> but instead, but instead, still sucks. And Mr. Can, Zuckerberg. And we can now say tonight's podcast is sponsored by Quantum Muse Books. 
publishers of Lockdown, an intense new sci-fi novel by Timothy O. Goyette. And Tim, we would normally have a poll now, but that ain't happening. Talk to Zuckerberg. Just his damn fault. But instead, we have an awesome guest. Instead, we do have an awesome guest who's been on the show before, and that didn't deter him from coming back again. Michael J. Sullivan. Michael, welcome back to the show. I'm sorry, Michael couldn't make it. This is Jeffrey Jacob Abrams, and I wanted to talk... You, sir, are a dick! <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to say I love your green room. It's it's really plush, and I love the little tote bag you have, as well as the Purell, and the uh, the blue M&Ms were wonderful touch. I, I really appreciate that. The, blue well is, the Purell is much more necessary than you want to believe. I just want to, I want to know which one of you went to the effort of actually taking out only the blue M&Ms, because that, that, was, that showed a lot of class. So actually, we have a uh, spectral imager that, that sorts them automatically. Sweet. And that is why I'm the mistress of technology. Michael came to us about a year and a half ago with book one of his Raira series. Please tell me I did that right. Close enough. That means no. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Raira. That's what I said. No, it's not. <laughs> All right, children, start over. <laughs> Try again. Um... Michael Dorn. No. Uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Wrong Michael. Try again. It's the, it's the only name I can actually pronounce. It You're going to be covered in bees the next time <laughs> you try this. In 25 days, Michael's second book in the series, The Rose and the Thorn, appears on the bookshelves. And about 125 days after that, Hollow World appears. So... We, we talked a year and a half ago about the Raira series. Was that even better? Was that even closer? Raira. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Okay. I just think it's Can funny you? listening to him try. Yeah. Now he said he actually pronounced Hollow World correctly. <laughs> Hot damn. Hot damn. I feel better now. And, and Rose and Thorn, too. But, so that worked out kind of well. So... When we talked about the original series, uh, we talked about how this was going to end up being a three-book series. So let's talk a little bit about The Rose and the Thorn. Are you going to talk or am I? No, you're going to talk. This is your time now. <laughs> you know more than we do. Yeah. Well, okay, unless so you I want us know. to talk. I, well, I don't know. We, yeah. I, I, I don't know how much of... Uh, the books you all, all three of you have read, I'm sure you've, you're completely caught up with the series. Oh, yes. But for, but for those of you who might not be... There we go. Um, <laughs> so Shit I finished the series, and it came out rather well at the end. And in other words, everything was tied up. Every single character was in there, was accounted for. Every uh, thread and every plot hole was all tied up very neatly. And I didn't want to add any more to that. I didn't want to... Uh, you know, continue on beyond the point where uh, I, I didn't want to have my characters jumping the shark, if you understand the phrase there. Um, 
you don't want to get to a point where people are uh, a little tired of the books and yet you still keep writing them because that kind of becomes sad. It's like one of those 1980 sitcoms that just continues going on and on and no one's really listening anymore. So I didn't want to continue that way. And instead, uh, I was planning on that was all there was going to be were those first six books. Um, however, as it turned out, I had uh, a number of fans or readers actually wrote to me and said, no, we, we really want more. You can't stop there. Um, and uh, then I had my wife actually get upset because I think she turns out she fell in love with uh, one of my characters, a guy named Hadrian. And I guess it's okay because I understand he's, he's kind of a, you know upstanding, decent guy. He's not going to do her wrong, so I'm okay with that, except that I don't really feel it's good to be, you know, being her pusher. So <laughs> I had a problem with that. I mean, it, it's really not fair to be the one who's actually, you know, supplying her for, uh, you know, infidelity. But she wanted me to do this, so she asked me if I would do more. And, of course, uh, I had a poll up on my blog uh, where I gave readers the option of exactly how they want to see the next books come out. And, and I could go with something really long in the very distant past or something kind of in the medium. Or I could give kind of the origin story of how Royce and Hadrian met. And uh, overwhelmingly, that was the one that everyone liked the most. So I, uh, my wife actually, during the time period before my books were released by Orbit and the time period that they came off uh, of self-publishing, there was going to be a three-month period when nothing of mine was going to be available. And uh, so my wife asked me if I could uh, go ahead and put something out there. Could I write a short story? And if possible, something about Royce and Hadrian. So I did, and I actually wrote a short story uh, called The Viscount and the Witch, which actually, because I really don't know how to write short stories, everything I write gets very big. But I thought, <laughs> is there a joke in there that I... <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know any writer who actually is comfortable writing a short story except for people who never write novels. Novelists tend to never be able to write short stories that they're comfortable with. Yeah, I I'm never consider myself to be that good of a short story writer, but I, I came up with the idea of just basically writing the opening chapter to a novel, and since most of my chapters kind of have a kind of a beginning, middle, and end, it worked out fine. Unfortunately, when I finished writing the first chapter of the novel, I kind of liked the novel, so I kept going with it, and it ended up being The Rose and the Thorn. Now, the problem with that was that was actually set the second year of Royce and Hadrian's uh, getting together. So as I got near the end of that book, it hit me, this is really stupid. I need to write the first book. So I ended up putting that book down and going back and starting work on The Crown Tower, which was the origin story. It's, you know, it's where Spider-Man gets bitten by the, 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 you know, the, the radioactive spider and where you know, Superman crash lands and Batman sees his parents get killed. All of that is all rolled into the origin story. I mean, if you have a legend, you kind of have to have the origin story. So I sat down, and though some of this was covered in the original series, I gave little hints and slight explanations. I went into it in detail, and I, uh, I added more, some twists that I don't think readers would have known about. Plus, I added uh, the backstory of Gwen, who is a, a major player in the series. However, she wasn't really explored at all. And, and in Crown Tower, she gets to be a major player. She gets to be the uh, you know, a point-of-view character. And you really get to see her background and how she got to be who she is and how her and Royce you know, kind of first meet. 
And so that became kind of important. Um, and it was also following the same pattern which I did with the series where I always had the Royce and Hadrian uh, storyline, but I also m- mirrored that with um, uh, the a second person. Like in the very first book, it's Ulrich. In the second book, you talk about Thrace. In the third book, it's Orissa. So in this book, I had Gwen. Now, once I finished that, and I was really pleased with it, I went back and finished The Rose and the Thorn. And I paired these up so that it actually works out as being um, sort of like a two-hour pilot to a new television series. because Nice! Yeah, because the whole concept is that the Chronicles were just going to be a way that I could occasionally throw out a book. And they were going to be like episodes. So if, if the Raya Revelations is the big-budget movies... This is going to be the television series where I just putting out you know standalone novels. But now I think about it, there might be some holdover where some reappearing characters will pop up. But so these two books are kind of two parts to the same story because they, they linked together. So that's kind of a pilot series. And then after that, as I go along and I'll be writing other novels, I can always come back for people who still want more Royce and Hadrian, and I can throw out the occasional you know. Uh, mystery or, or, or murder or other job that they may have done throughout their occasionally history because they were together for 12 years prior to the actual series so if i did a book a year to represent that i still got another 10 books to go <laughs> nice that's that's great having that level of the depth of characters that started off with theft of swords but i have a question for you okay you were going to say something i'm sorry me no i've waiting no. for you Oh, I'm sorry. I, I heard somebody take an intake of breath and went, I've cut somebody off. Oh, <gasps> sorry. Here we go. <clears throat> you're, you're safe, though. Okay, cool. Um, but, just kidding. Some, thank you. <laughs> you know, if I could reach through the ether waves, <laughs> it's just too easy. Sorry. There are some days it is. <laughs> For somebody who's known basically as a fantasy, uh, or, or as basically a fantasy writer, um, in January of 2014, you've got coming out what really looks and feels like a hard science fiction novel. Uh, no, not, I won't call it hard, because uh, hard generally tends to suggest it's uh, you know, s- science-based. And this is more along the lines of way traditional uh, science fiction back in the, the realm of H.G. Wells, that kind of thing, like the original Time Machine, where if you actually were to read that, his entire encapsulation of the technology that's used to actually travel through time is literally when he says, this lever, if you push it forward, makes I've you go forward. And time if you push right. it back, <laughs> it takes you back it. in time. Right, absolutely. That, that's the depth of, of his science. No, but and, I mean, hard, hard science fiction is opposed to what you're doing with the, the Ryera Ry, series in that you're... Very you're good job. I've corrected myself finally. Uh, where you're you're set in uh, a kind of dystopian near future, and uh, you're you're taking the everyman character that that a lot of dystopian novels deal with. And, oh, and by the way, for everybody, we're talking about the book that's coming out in January called Hollow World. So, how how do you make that change? Well, actually, how I would actually describe it is how I define, and I think a lot of people define science fiction, is it's the effect of advancements in technology on society. And that's really what the book is about. It's about what happens when you have certain advances and what does that do to society in the future. And 
what I actually wanted to do with that story was I wanted to explore the idea that if someone went with this mindset that we have today into the future, if they actually found a utopian society, in other words, if they found the world that everyone hoped for, like when you sit around and you say, you know, I, I would love to have a world that had no poverty or war or hunger or class you know, conflicts, would the people who actually got there be happy with that? Because what would you have to trade out for that to take place? And what if you lost things like patriotism or religion and things of that nature? Would that offset it and make it an awful future? And would you be able to recognize a good future from a bad future? And so that was the thing I was exploring. Uh, however, I mean, I kept the same concept of, of general style in my writing because it it's still kind of fast-paced. It still has um, you know, some excitement and some action, but it does address a lot of questions, and hopefully I try to make people think a lot. This is one of those discussion books because I, I pack it with a lot of very interesting questions, and, uh, but, but it's still kind of a, a thriller story at, at its heart. Well, the cool thing for me is that on your website, uh, you actually have dropped samples of uh, the books that are coming out in the near future, and Hollow World is one of them. And the sample that I read uh, from Hollow World was incredible. Cool, I've got to oh, tell good. you. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, well, it, that's my that's my meat and potatoes book right there. Absolutely. Um, so, and, and for me, just seeing the difference from theft of swords to what this is, I just kind of went, wow. I mean, and I don't understand. Wow, right. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm entitled to say, wow, because it's really cool. Yeah, I'm very pleased with the book. I thought, see, I didn't really mean to write that book. That was kind of an accident. I wrote another short story. Uh, I was I was asked to do a short story for a, an anthology uh, as a promotion, and I it was asked to be a, a post-apocalyptic story. And I ended up writing that one, but it really wasn't post-apocalyptic, so uh, I ended up trashing that one. But it was good enough that when people <laughs> read it, they told me they said, you know, this would really make a great book. So I started thinking about it because I had a lot more in my head that I could have done with it. So that's what I ended up doing. And I wasn't supposed to be writing that. I was supposed to be working on edits for another – for uh, I think it was Rosenthorn at that time. And I just, I just couldn't put it down because I had all these notes and it just kept piling out of my head and I just kept writing it. And I, I actually wrote it very quickly because I wrote it in my spare time. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed putting that one together because the interesting thing with that story is that it's, um, it, it's perfect for me because I like – when, when you write fantasy, you have to create everything. And you can't um, use common knowledge that people have. You can't talk about, um, well, you can't make references to Doctor Who, for example, or J.J. Abrams. These are things that no <laughs> one knows what that means. You so in fantasy... <laughs> So, so in fantasy, you don't have that advantage of being able to do like what Stephen King can do when he talks about different topics. And he can build stories better because he has the common you know, background that everyone holds. So I couldn't do that 
in fantasy, but in this one, I could. Now, the problem when you write a real-world book is that if you make references to things, you have to look them all up, and you might get a lot of them wrong. Like one of the problems I had is if you had to describe the back of a police car, I'd have to actually go find a police car and get in the back of it and look at it uh, or you know, and arrange for things of that nature. And that was always a problem. But in this book, it was pretty good because I could. I had a character who lives in the modern day world, but he goes to a fantasy world, and that makes it all perfect because he can make references in his head that the reader will understand. But I get to make reference. Everything else doesn't have to be checked because it's a completely, you know, fantasy world <laughs> in, that, in that sense. Right. So the best of both worlds. It, it sounds really cool. Um, I, I I don't know what to say about it other than if somebody wants to learn more about it. You go to Michael's website, you click the read sample, and he sends you a sample of the book. How cool is that? Yeah, why did you I choose to, that why, why did you choose to do that? Uh, because I think that samples really help people because I know I do that all the time when I go to read a book, I will want to read an example of it. And if I like the first few pages, odds are I'll probably like the book. Um, so, I mean, it, I just, it just makes sense that if I want to have other people who, you know, get interested in my reading, like, well, obviously it worked on you, right? Absolutely did. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you answered your own question. Yeah, I yeah, kind of did. But, you know, what works for me doesn't normally make sense for the rest of the universe. So whatever. <laughs> Mike, well, now I have to ask the question, are you actually going to read it now that you've sampled it? The Am answer I here is yes. Going to read it? Am I actually going to buy it? Absolutely. Uh, okay. I'm very much. You haven't already. It doesn't come out until January of 2014. You didn't back the Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I know. Right. Some people got it early because they backed the Kickstarter back in March. Yeah. I know. Some some people were paying attention. Some people get Goodreads updates from Michael. Just saying, mm-hmm. you can find him on Goodreads. Lots yeah. of good information there. And you can definitely find him on Goodreads. And you can also find him at his uh, his uh, official website. And we'll have posts to that and everything else. Michael Sullivan. Because this is cool stuff. And thank you so much for coming back on the show. I mean, it's very rare that we get somebody who's willing to come back a That's second That's so time. not true. <laughs> what are you talking Hopefully about? Hopefully you'll have me... Hopefully you'll have me back again come uh, like next year and we can talk about Hollow World. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely a doable thing. Michael, thank you so much. This is this has been a lot of fun and, and I'm looking forward to these new books coming out. Michael Sullivan, Raira series. Ha! Got eh, it. That one Nailed that, it. no, but well, it's okay. <laughs> Right, well, Ira. It was wonderful being here, and out. But next time I come back, you'll have that down. Um, there we go. What are the three of us will absolutely dead redhead? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So coming up calendar next week, uh, we're speaking with Jason Chen of StoryBundle.com on September seventh. It's almost September. Ugh. Uh, we're, on September 7th, we are talking to Patty Kelly of the Swallow Your Bliss Indiegogo campaign featuring oh, Michael Dorn. This sounds like fun. And on September 29th, we are talking with Matthew Wayne Selznick, author of Pilgrimage, 
a novel of the Sovereign Era, Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, Granicon, Rhode Island Comic-Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the traffic lights. Pick up their CD holder folk at RobWattsOnline.com. I like and, dot .com. Uh, I know, I said <laughs> dome and com at the same time in a comb. <laughs> Can I talk now? No. <laughs> Tonight's podcast has been sponsored by Quantum Muse Books, publishers of Lockdown, the intense new science fiction novel by Timothy Goyette. Our guest tonight has been Michael J. Sullivan, and our cast tonight, oh my God, it's been another one of them. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana, thank you, my dear. Scooby-dooby-doo. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, Dead Redhead. You're very welcome. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. I know.